Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? I am. Let's go. Let's go to New York City. It's like we're always there. Yeah. In New York, a detective... <laughs> Do we need to start over? Because that was a really loud belch right there in the middle of that. <laughs> Who was that? Was that you? Yeah, it was. Oh, okay. I thought it was my stomach. Excuse me. Couldn't tell. <laughs> I think you're good to keep going. <laughs> in New York, a detective, his wife, and his dog set out to solve several murders linked to an accepted eccentric inventor what could go wrong what could go wrong what could go wrong somebody could belch in the middle of that that could go wrong the particulars please Did you say the movie the no. thin man the thin man <laughs> bah. buckle up everyone the thin man it was released may 25th 1934 oh 1934 yes did you yeah so I knew that it was old. I knew it was oh. in the 30s. I didn't know which 30 it was. Fair, fair enough. The particulars directed by W.S. Van Dyke. The W.S. stands for Woodbridge Strong. So he's oh. Woodbridge Strong Van Dyke II. That's a pretty solid Damn. name. <laughs> but he went by Woody. Oh, okay. well, there's that. He directed San Francisco with Spencer Tracy. Uh, Marie Antoinette. He uh, directed six of the popular Ed, Nelson Eddy and Jeanette McDonald musicals. Uh, Nerd Alert. He was known for being a director who was on schedule and under budget. He had the nickname One Take Woody. <laughs> yeah, maybe. He directed, and yet despite his nickname, One Take Woody, he directed four actors to Oscar nominations. And his dad died the day he was born. Dang. Oh my God. Oh, Woodbridge Strong the first. I was trying to look up more information on that, but he was also a Christian scientist and when he was diagnosed with cancer, he um, opted out of treatment and okay. in the 40s, he went around and said his goodbyes to everyone and then cashed in all his chips. Oh. Yeah, because like, without medicine, you're, yeah. Wait, who, who was the Christian scientist? His dad? One take Woody. Okay, I was son. confused when you said that his dad... So maybe his dad was a Christian scientist too. I see. I don't know. I couldn't really find anything out about that. I wanted to know what happened. So just. Well, there you go. What could go wrong? I mean, it was Wikipedia. It might not even be true. Is he even Woodbridge Strong II? Who knows? (laughs) That's what we're going with. The screenwriters were Francis Goodrich and Albert Hackett. They were married. Remember? They both won the 1956 Pulitzer Prize for Drama for the Diary of Anne Frank. Sounding familiar because they also wrote Father of the Bride. Oh. Oh. We retained none of that. We retained nothing, listeners. Mm -hmm. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, Easter Parade, It's a Wonderful Life. They had been married for three years when they wrote this. 
this was kind of their breakout script. Did they did they kind of did they kind of base it on their report repartee? Yes, they did. Outstanding. We'll get to that in Tasty Nuggets. It's based on the 1934 novel, The Thin Man by Dashiell Hammett, uh-huh. who is, quote, one of the finest mystery writers of all time. I guess he I should cre- be reading Dashiell. Yeah, I would, mm-hmm. I would read this book. He created the character of Sam Spade. He wrote the novels, many novels, many short stories. Um, he wrote the novels Red Harvest, The Maltese Falcon, and The Glass Key. And those were all turned into motion pictures. Is there really a movie that is not based off of a book anymore? I mean, this is 1930s. Ever. ever. Yeah. No, that's always been the game. It's because it's there. Somebody else did it. Then you have to... Then people think that it's easy, but it's really not that easy to adapt a book. The music is by William Axt who also did Dinner at Eight, the 1926 version of La Boheme, which I thought was interesting, oh. tying into last week with Runestruck, when yeah. that, they went to see that, the opera. And he also did I Grand Hotel. I think it's pronounced La Boheme. Oh, La Boheme. What did I say? La Boheme. <laughs> I don't Lobo- think there's a name La Boheme? You've clearly never sung all of the lyrics to Rent before. I have never even seen all of Rent before. So oh there God. we go. I know there's that song. Making 20, notes. 25,000 right. something in one. 525,600 minutes. Yeah. That. Oh my God. I was like, that's a little catchy bop. Um, let's see what else. The director of photography, our main man, James Wong Howe. He's Chinese-American. He became a citizen after the repeal of the Chinese Exclusion Act in 1943. So when this movie was made, he was not a United States citizen because of that act. So that's fucked up. He also did remember The Sweet Smell of Success uh-huh. and HUD. Uh-huh. And he also did The Rose Tattoo, which we haven't done. He was the first minority admitted to the American Society of Cinematographers. He was hugely influential. He used, came up with all these innovations for um, cinematography. Like he used black velvet to make blue eyes show up on orthochromatic film from the 20s. Because remember when we did, was it Norma Talage? Norma Shear. And how she had blue eyes. Uh-huh. And they didn't pick up on film. It just looked like nothing. And so they had to come up with with techniques. That's why she didn't get a lot of roles. And so he was one of the people that came up with a technique to make the blue eyes pop. So that gave all (laughs) blue-eyed actors a fair shot. (laughs) I mean, we really went went through a lot. So Yeah, they were definitely discriminated against. Mm -hmm. Great struggles in blue-eyed acting. Yeah. (laughs) Um. He also was known for dramatic lighting and deep focus. He came up with a, an early crab dolly. He would have um, actors running around in circles, and that would make it give the illusion of a chase scene. Oh. And he mentored John Alonzo, 
So anybody who wasn't, uh, well, I guess he was, I don't know, but he did mentor other minorities that were cinematographers and he looked out for them. And John Alonzo, who also did Chinatown and Sounder, which we did, he mimicked that in Sounder when they were doing the chase scene of like just having them run around and the actors run around in circles because he learned it from him. And also remember, he couldn't live in the same apartment with his wife because of a morals clause in his contract with studios and because um, it was illegal in California for there to be interracial marriage. So he and his wife had to live in separate apartments, which some people, I mean, the reason behind it is bullshit, but maybe not really, maybe there's something to that. One person could have a hoarding situation and another could (laughs) have a situation where she throws everything away and can't find anything. A match made in heaven. I'm Nick and Nora for the hoarding times. The editor is Robert J. Kern, who also did National Velvet, David Copperfield, and After the Thin Man. So the cast, starring William Powell as Nick Charles. He was in My Man Godfrey, which we Mm -hmm. did. Life with Father and After the Thin Man. In real life, he was married to Carol Lombard for a period of time. And was engaged to Gene Harlow. I think he was like engaged with Gene Harlow around the time that, you know, Gene Harlow left us. To pull the Gene Harlow exit. So, um, let's see. Myrna Loy as Nora Charles. She was in over 129 movies. Oh my God. And yet, before this film, she was cast mostly as exotic women or women of Asian descent. Oh. Yeah, she was typecast in Hollywood. Myrna Loy was typecast in Hollywood as exotic. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Was she, was she the one in King Kong's Hand? Was it Myrna Loy in King Kong? I don't remember. I know she was in The Best Years of Our Lives, Cheaper by the Dozen, and Wife versus Secretary. Her father died in the 1918 pandemic. And together, she starred with William Powell. They made a total of 14 films together. So they really loved working with each other. Yeah, and I'm just going to say this is my negative right now that they couldn't have come up with any better titles. (laughs) After the Thin Man, Another Thin Man, Shadow of the Thin Man, Thin Man Goes Home, Song of the Thin Man. Yeah, and guess what? It wasn't even, he wasn't even the Thin Man! Exactly! He wasn't even the Thin Man. The Thin Man was the victim in this film. And, but it just kept, that's why the second one was like, um, well, the classic Hollywood, like how, how's the audience going to know that this is a sequel to the thin man, but William Powell's Nick Charles, isn't the thin man. I know we'll separate ourselves by throwing up an after the thin man. So they know that this is, so it takes place after the thin man. But then they were like, the cat's out of the bag. Everybody's calling William Powell, the thin man. Yeah. It was Faye Ray in King Kong. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Ah, nice. Skippy, the dog, yes. as Asta. 
that's it's a uh, Skippy was a wire hair of wire fox terrier trained and owned by husband and wife Henry East and Gail Henry East. They also was trained by Frank and Rudd Weatherwax, which should sound familiar because they trained Spike in Old Yeller and oh, Lassie. And then we've already seen Skippy in action because mm-hmm. Skippy was in bringing up baby. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize I was, that. I was laughing. Oh, and they said sometimes he's just cited or credited as Asta because this role was so big for him. Yeah. But I was laughing when I was looking at his Wikipedia page because it says occupation dog actor. <laughs> And he was also in The Awful Truth. Um, We have Maureen O'Sullivan as Dorothy Wynette. She was Jane in the Tarzan film series. She was also in A Day of the Races. And in Peggy Sue Got Married. And Nerd Alert, she is the mother of actress Mia Farrow. Hmm. Okay. I wondered how that that came together. Nate okay. Pendleton as Lieutenant John Guild. He was an American wrestler. He won the silver medal in the 1920s Olympics. Mia Gombo as Mimi Wynott Jorgensen. She was in the best years of our lives, Doomed Caravan and High Sierra. Porter Hall as Albert McCauley. He was in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Miracle on 34th Street, and Double Indemnity. And Cesar Romero as Chris Jorgensen. This was his second film role. He was also in Ocean's Eleven, Around the World in 80 Days. And he played the Joker on the 1960s Batman TV series. This was him with dark hair. Uh, Usually I think of him with that silver gray hair. Oh, I thought you were going to say usually I think of him with green hair. (laughs) That would be me because he was the Joker. Yeah. yeah. But I had to look it up because it took me me a couple beats to go, really? That's Cesar Romero. He was a very dashing, dashing man in his life. He thought so too. Hey. Are we finished with our particulars? Those are the particulars. Well, let me well, wait a the... second. Well, before you set the table, this is on HBO Max right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend watching it. Yes, yeah. do I. I enjoyed it. I laughed out loud, literally laughed out loud several times. Oh. I laughed out loud a few times. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to set the table. Set it. Clyde Winant, an eccentric and forgetful inventor, is working on a top-secret project. He is going away to work in private, refusing to disclose his location. Oh, no, she's coughing. But did she hit the... Oh, now she's back. His daughter, who he truly loves, is getting married on December 30th, And he promises to be there for her. We are introduced to his ex-wife and her new husband, his son with a mother issue. Wait, his son is out there. Just, he's, he's something. His secretary, who was the cause of their divorce, and a few of her unsavory friends... 
his lawyer, and a delightfully intoxicated husband-wife duo, not to mention their adorable dog. Wynant is missing, and everyone is looking for him. The women in his life want his money. His ex-wife humbles herself enough to go to his secretary's apartment in search of information about his whereabouts. We see Nunheim leaving her apartment and the ex-wife finds the secretary dead. Dun, dun, dun. We have set the table. There you have it. All right, let's go. Let's go to people. Persons of color. There was one. One. At the very, very end. Very, what was his name? End. Probably George. George. He, he was called George. Probably. He was called George. Or was it his name? Well, right? yes. Because he was the, the, the Pullman porter on the train at the very end. So, uh, cast? I do. I have I have a, I have two cast. One was uh Caesar my man Caesar Romero, Parkinson. So was that did he cuz he's still mm-hmm. technically married to his first wife. So I'm guessing he took her name cuz she did look like a Jorgensen. He, he did, did not look not. like a Jorgensen no. and he was not treated as though he did look like a Jorgensen. Exactly. He was one of the so that's why I put it as one of my cast because just his uh dashing debonair non-northern European looks automatically had him I felt as a as a red herring cuz they made the jab of like well Chris he could get a job, so he's not working, and that he's basically doing the what is it? like the sugar mama routine, or he's got the he's he's living a life of leisure. Well, wouldn't he be considered a person of color? I I think so. So I guess we are at two, but well, I don't know because he's Jorgensen, so it's. He, he was born in, in New York. Jorgensen? Yeah. It's, I thought that Jorgensen was a Scandinavian name. It, I don't this know. Says, I thought it was Jorgensen. Uh-huh. Oh. And this says it could be German. But it could... So I don't think it was Dutch. clear, but it could also be Greek. Oh, really? Oh. I assume Dutch... As in South African Dutch. I am looking. His political party was Republican. Well, Ma, was, you're, you're, you're looking at Cesar Romero. <laughs> <laughs> he, Cesar Romero's father was Spanish. Like, from Spain. I think he was born in New York City. I don't know if it was right. the Bronx or Brooklyn. Right. But he was of Latin descent. I think he would be technically of Hispanic descent if his father was I Spanish. But I, I, know, I, get, I, I just get so, I, just, I don't know. I just I was. I it's think nice. the name could be Greek. Okay. okay. But anyways. Because, yeah. Okay. Who knows, though? Exactly. But they were saying Jorgensen. Okay. Jorgensen. Right? Yeah. Which comes from the Greek name Georgios, um, 
which is why I think it's Greek, but who knows? We're going to go with Greek. Okay. And if I could snap, I'd be doing the Greek dance. <laughs> but maybe he was German. Oh, well. Well, he was, his character was that of uh, the male version of a gold digger, which I guess yes. would just be a gold digger. <laughs> so, yeah. so he was, um, I think you were just supposed to say he, one of these things is not like the other. And that right. was him. That's what I'm And I'm pretty sure in 10 years, if he were in Germany with his last name, he'd still be rounded up and put in a cattle car. Oh, he's, his hair, his hair and eyes are too dark. Yeah. That mustache. Yeah. He gets to get out. And then he got, my... he got to cut the ends off the mouth. <laughs> oh, but be careful. And then, then you're like, well, you're now you're making fun of the Fuhrer. So then he would get rounded up. And he's like, I can't win. And it's like, no, you can't win against fascism. That's exactly. what we're trying to say. Exactly. <laughs> no, you can't. Um, the second one is how Nick and Nora, you know, they need free time to be able to drink and enjoy and party. So the ability to have, so of course they have, like money isn't an option. So I put like the ability to have enough wealth to pass it down to your children, that makes you in a different cast. Yes. And then I did a little research, and in 1934, that was when the Federal Housing Administration was established. And this guy, Richard Rothstein, wrote a book called The Color of Law, and he went, talks about how the government efforts were designed to provide housing to white middle class and lower middle class families, while people of color were left out of the new suburban communities and pushed into urban housing projects. Uh -huh. And then you had stuff like redlining. You had the FHA covens where they couldn't sell to black people and people of color. And so just how the government, it was basically just government uh, segregation. Uh -huh. And then because of that and housing, then not being able to have the wealth to pass it down to your children so that your daughter Nora can marry a dashing debonair retired detective and they can gallivant across the country drinking dry martinis and having parties yeah. and being the toast of the town. Yes, I also had money as the cast because yeah. his title at this point is gentleman mm -hmm. because he married money and he doesn't have to work so he's a gentleman he's a gentleman he just looks after things okay he, any other he cast? works on cases of scotch <laughs> yes <laughs> that, was, that was on the movie so what are our nerd alerts today 1934 all right fuji uh stock film is established really? oh my god me. yeah do you have more on that? Because I... No, I don't. Oh. I mean, I don't. But that's crazy because Fuji, the comeback that they have had is incredible. Really? Oh, my God. So, like, we sell at my job Fuji Instax cameras. And we have for, I don't know. Did she say Instax? Instax. Like, I-N-S-T-A-X, yes. 
Okay. I thought she said insect cameras. No, that would be cool. The cicadas. That would be if I worked at the discovery store. Um, (laughs) But we've, I don't know, it's probably been like eight years or something that we've sold these things. Um, So they came back out, I don't know how many years ago, with an instant camera. And, you know, they Polaroid, all that made a comeback. But for some reason, like they just were able to make this thing that everyone really likes the can you know the pictures are mini it's the instax mini camera and the amount of money that they make from these freaking cameras and uh, everyone young thinks that they're polaroid they're just like people come in and ask if we have polaroid cameras and i'm like do you actually mean polaroid or do you need mean fuji because we have both mm-hmm. and like i don't i think polaroid is a lot more expensive like for the film you get like a thing of eight pictures for like $24 and Fuji's made it like a lot a little bit more affordable uh-huh. but over the past year and inst- um disposable cameras have become so popular how is, that, po- how is and- that popular Greta must be having a conniption fit over this disposable cameras yeah, yeah. um but Fuji, we have, we carry, there's, well, there's a ton, but Fuji and Kodak are like the ones that are really taking off, but the Fuji camera, like disposable cameras. And it's so funny that like people at least once a week, I have to answer a question of what kind of film do these take? Do they like, do I put this into this? I'm like, do you, and then do you like, do I just bring it back here when I'm done? I'm like, no, like, no, you guys like, you're I'm done with throw this baby away when you're done with it. Take it to CVS. I don't even, I'm like, I was telling CVS, I don't even know if they do that anymore. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of crazy. Like you didn't hear anything about Fuji after the nineties. And then all of a sudden they're just like making so much money now. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Do they have underwater cameras, disposable underwater? Cameras? Yeah. <gasps> You'll have to pick up a couple for a beach. Okay. Cause I can't find them anymore. Oh, wow! Awesome. So yeah, they started in nineteen thirty-four. Wow, nineteen thirty-four. Who knew? Mm-hmm. I well, have no idea. Europe is just <laughs> it's just a, a cluster cause. You got France. There was like an attempted coup, but then I was realized that I don't really know that much about French government. I know that there had been a revolution, so I wasn't even sure. But yeah, like in the thirties, it. Popping off in France, we had what a revelation. We had an Austrian civil war apparently going on. Mussolini and Hitler met for the first time. Hitler becomes the Führer. It just, just don't even like. Mm-mm. It's nothing good is gonna come of that. What could but, go wrong? But pay attention so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, this is how these things start. Uh, John Dillinger breaks out of county jail with a wooden gun and then just started robbing banks. <laughs> you know, like you do. Um, the Tidy Tiding McDuffie Act was passed and that allowed the Philippines a greater degree of self-governance because at that time they were a colony of the United States. And this act put in a 10-year transition period for independence, which I have to say, though, that then um, 
that they that the U.S. had to be like, yeah, we have to give them our independence, but also <clears throat> Japan is wiling out over oh, here right yeah. now. They invaded Manchuria, and I I thought like, oh, I, I've heard of the Manchurian Candidate. I, I'm maybe it's like some little island. No, Manchuria is northeast China today. So Japan just invaded that. Oh, just uh, a whole little bunch of tiny stuff. Japan invaded yeah. the continent of Asia. Yeah, but I think. Like this isn't like the first time that that's happened. Oh my you know? god, no! You know this. This goes back a ways. The first of the Three Stooges uh, short film was released, and it was called Woman Haters. <laughs> wow! <laughs> what could go wrong? Nineteen thirty-four, Three Stooges film called The Woman Haters. Maybe that's why <laughs> my mother wouldn't let me watch the Three Stooges. I, that's what it made me think of that. In the U.S., the top. Uh, grossing films were number five, It Happened One Night, number four, Forsaking All Others, number three, Broadway Bill, number two, One Night in Love, and the number one movie in America for 1934 was the Cecil B. DeMille film. He directed it, Cleopatra, starring Claudette Colbert as Cleopatra. Really? Okay. <laughs> So she was yeah. so ethnic looking such such this for the Oscars. This was the seventh Academy Awards. And let me read off the, the names of the films that were nominated for best picture. Cause it sounds like they just nominated every film that was released in 1930. <laughs> we have a uh, white parade, which, Oh God. Oh, wow. <laughs> God. We oh, had boy. one of those in Charlottesville a few years ago. <laughs> we had Viva Vila. Via. Viva Via. We have One Night in Love, the original imitation of life. Really? Yes. The House of Rothschild. Here Comes the Navy. The Gay Divorcee. Flirtation Walk. Cleopatra. The Barretts of Wimpole Street. The Thin Man, and the winner for Best Picture, It Happened One Night. Which we have done. Mm-hmm. Those are my nerd alerts. Christine, any nerd alerts today? I have one. I did a little nerd alert on the, on the Oedipus Complex. Oh, ew. Uh... <laughs> uh Cause that brother creeped me out. He was creepy. Okay, honestly, I was creeped out the minute the movie started. Oh, why? By what? the by, the scientist doing scientific things with no sense of like. I'm sure that man needed a lead vest for whatever he was doing right well, there. Well, I'm disappointed that we never saw more science. Hmm. Thought that's where the movie was going. Hmm. Um. No, but what was his daughter's name? Uh, uh, Dorothy. Dorothy. Dor- Dorothy. Dorothy. Because she whined the whole time. Um, Just like their relationship. They're just like how touchy-feely they were. I was very creeped out by how oh. the father-daughter intimacy in this. In I beginning. just have to say, Christine is not a fan of my hugs, people. So, you know, 
That, that That's not, you have created this thing in your mind. Yeah, I don't. I mean, but this no. But, yeah, but you have to hear little Miss Touchy Feely always going around yeah. giving hugs. Like you yeah. give a hug when you see her, and you give a hug when you're goodbye. You're not one of the the mother in laws like, oh, I haven't seen you today. Here's a, here's no, I'm not. I'm not. Each day hug. That's true. That's true. Um. But no, I was very creeped out by their father-daughter intimacy in the beginning. Did you think that she was drunk in the beginning when she visited her father? Probably. I mean, no, but no, I but did. probably. I didn't get a drunk vibe. Oh, I thought she. I was like, I wow. just got a romance dr- vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was the when the brother was talking about the Oedipus complex. I was like, he was like, come on, we both have it. I was like, this is a little odd. This is a little creepy. Um, So I just looked a little bit into it. And so Oedipus, the Oedipus complex is a child's unconscious sexual desire for the opposite sex parent and hatred for the same sex parent. Typically referring to boys, but also can be girls and sometimes called the Electra Complex, Freud is the one who coined all of this. Of and he course. did not agree that the Electra, he was like, no, that's not, it's it's the Oedipus Complex. I fucking named this. <laughs> only, yeah. only one name. That's um, how, yeah, that's how Freud would be. Yeah. And it typically occurs during when the a child, I guess it forms in a child's brain when they're three to six years old, which is called the phallic stage of... And something about girls having penis envy and boys feeling like they've already been castrated or something like that. Wow. Or girls feeling, I don't know. I didn't look, clearly I didn't do a lot of research. So just look up this if you want to get the ins and outs. Um, But it's named Oedipus after Oedipus, who was... um, was he a god he was a mythical greek king and he um first of all his name oedipus means swollen foot so like that sounds right off the bat we're not going anywhere good that sounds painful that's right and we're not gonna consider why he had the gout he liked a lot of rich foods well he ended up fulfilling a prophecy that he would accidentally kill his father and marry his mother bringing disaster to his city and family Mm -hmm. um and that's as far as I really went into it. Good girl. You guys girl. didn't get, like, that, I was taught this at school. <laughs> well, yeah, I was too, yeah, but I don't, maybe they don't, maybe they don't cover it these days. They probably don't. We might have some middle school listeners. <laughs> no, I wasn't If you're in middle that... school and you're listening to this, tell me, do they teach <laughs> this in school? <laughs> Lister number 14 and 15. <laughs> I just, because it was always really weird of, like, you know, the story, the way that it was uh, presented or read, it was very much like a lot of those stories that they make you read where you're like, this is fucked up. What? And, like, why are they teaching it to me? And why is it something that we're still teaching? Because I don't know, like, is the science really there? I don't think it is. And then there was this whole thing about, like, now... I don't know if people being upset was the word, but it doesn't take into account same-sex 
Okay, well, what if my child, what if my, we're a gay family and we have two dads and then my child loves one and kills me? We're the same sex. Right. I don't know, but yeah, there's my nerd alert. Although (laughs) I will say it seems like a lot of serial killers had a lot of mother issues. Yes. So there's that. Yes. I mean, I, there's could definitely be, um, well, when he found out he did it, he gouged his eyes out and exiled himself from Mm -hmm. Thebes. Well, at least he, there were, there were consequences. (laughs) Yeah. But it's this whole thing of like, that you want to like that. Oh yeah, ma, I want to take you out the game so I can be with Poppy. It's, like, exactly. No. Exactly. I don't, how did this get? It's just maybe, maybe not everybody needs to have kids and feel like they need to have kids, and then the people true. who don't feel the need to have kids won't be forced to raise kids that they don't really want anything to do with, and so then they end up having not everyone, but just having this weird thing, you know. Yeah, and I do wonder how much of it is actually, okay, I mean, clearly a lot of this psychological issues, I'm sure some of them are based on things that happen to you when you're forming, but um, how much of the Oedipus complex is like, we're just looking to something, for something to blame something on? Mm-hmm. It's uh-huh. a, the Greek mythology is, uh, that's what they did. They made up stories to explain things. And they they are hell of hell of stories. Yeah, but then, they really but were. Then, and but that's how like a lot of things, when people take things that were created as stories and make it into like, no, that shit really happened, and this is yeah. what we have to do because of that. Yeah, you're like like. <laughs> yeah, you're, there's a lot of mythology out there. Yeah, people that, have very a lot of people believe about in. it. You know, as, as long you know, it's, but okay, we're gonna move on. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> we're gonna go to negative reheatables, and I think that whole um, situation we just talked about is a negative but reheatable. Also, though, that kid, the brother, was a bit of a murderino because he was also yeah. in. He was yeah. like, "Oh, I'm into the Oedipus," which that kind of threw in. I felt like the writers just threw that in there to be like, "Oh." This is a kid who reads a lot and he doesn't, he might, he -hmm. just reads the head, like today he would just be the kid that reads the headlines and Mm -hmm. then like, oh, he knows exactly what he's talking about. And, you know, he had the slicked hair bag and was always carrying a book. So he was definitely a caricature. Nerd. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to start with balloons on Christmas trees. You took that yeah. one from me, Ma. Yeah. I knew you were going to have some opinions about their Christmas tree. And, okay, so when we were in Germany, the, I, I'm like Sophia with the picture. Picture it. Picture it. Picture it. 1981. Exactly. Okay, picture it. Yeah, but you got to go. Oh, first time. 1980. <laughs> I was close. Wow, look at me. So we get a Christmas tree from our landlords. They they go out and they cut down one of their evergreen trees. 
Now, these evergreen trees are what we call sparse. <laughs> They're they, all natural. They are. There's, But I'm good with that because I like putting ornaments in the branch, you know, all the way inside. But what the German people at that time did was put a lot of tinsel on, like, like covered each branch in tinsel, you know, so that it all hung down beautifully. Now, it looked like that Christmas tree, they threw the tinsel on there. They didn't care about putting it in on there neatly. So I was, I was not so good on the tinsel or the balloons. Kind of snobbish about a Christmas tree. You would have hoped better for people drinking gin while decorating a Christmas tree. I would have. I mean, if you're drinking scotch, I get it. That, yeah, that was a very scotch Christmas tree. It was. Just looking for trouble. All the blondes looked alike. I didn't want to be the one to say it. As a blonde, and I paid a lot of money in 1934. For, um, Julia, Mimi, Marion, I couldn't keep them yeah. straight. Okay, that is, I'll go ahead and tell you, that's one of my negatives. I had a really hard time differentiating between characters. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It was hard for me to keep, the same yeah. hairstyle. And like, I was watching, I did have a little mishap where I was watching this on my commute and I thought I paused it. Oh, and I had apparently turned my volume down, but I didn't realize it was still playing. So I missed about 20 minutes in the <laughs> middle there and I just didn't go back. So I just kept watching. I, I don't know. It was sometimes a little hard to follow with all the characters look the same. They sounded the same. Exactly. Usually I can like watch a movie without watching it sometimes, you know, you're like doing other things and like mm -hmm. you couldn't do that. You had to really watch who was talking. Because all of a sudden, Marion showed up. Who the fuck was Marion? Who was Marion? Where did she come from? Yeah, who is Marian? I liked her, but who Marian was she? Marion was the... She was at the dinner party, right? Girlfriend of Oh, she was like... I lawyer. She... Oh, wait, she was the Not girlfriend. the lawyer. No, the, the stool put pigeon. Yeah. She mm -hmm. Yeah, she was like the, the hothead. Yeah. Like, what am I doing here? I broke up with the stoolie. I'm not with the stoolie anymore. But they all had the same hairstyle. Okay. And the only um, reason we knew her was because she was of a lower caste. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. We related. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so people come in. It's Christmas time. They come into a dinner party. They only take the hats and coats of the gentlemen. Did you notice that? Now, women, I guess, left their hats on because they had their hair done around the hat. Mm -hmm. But how about taking my coat? Um, also, how about, this is not the first movie we've watched like this. What was the movie with the store? The shop around the corner? No, I, no, well, with the train. And he, she was like a secret shopper. Oh. Yes, this is 34th yeah, with, Street. No, it was the one with Rock, uh, not Rock, Mitchum. Yeah, Robert Mitchum. And, and he bought and, the train for the little boy. Yeah, and the yes. little boy, I liked him and you hated him. Yes. And that was another movie. I guess we'll never know the name, but <laughs> they just go walk into each other's apartments on Christmas Day. Yeah. This, I guess this has happened in the 30s. Nobody would ever show up at my house unexpected on Christmas Day. Was it Fifth Avenue? Was it, it yes. happened on Fifth yes, Avenue? Happened yes. On Fifth Avenue. Yeah. yes. Which I, I still say you need to watch. That was a good one. Yeah. 
So wait, you what, what did you say about this? How the people just come like, in on they Christmas? just come in that happen like people just walk on in on Christmas, Christmas Day. Day unexpected. Aren't you supposed to be with your family? Well, maybe that is their family because they're like maybe that's the family they choose. They're like, why do I want to be with all those? Yeah, families? I mean, maybe we should be more like. That? <laughs> Well, no. Yeah, it's not too late. Maybe. Yeah, where are you going? Who are you going to be with next Christmas? <laughs> you guys better show up next year. <laughs> okay, those were my negatives. Other negatives. Uh, uh, go ahead, Teeny. Oh. When they were going out to solve the murder and Nora goes to Skippy or uh, look. Asta. Asta. Stupid name for a dog. They're negative. Asta is Asta a dog is name. Asta a dog name. Yeah, it's very... That's very... It's not a name. Yeah. Um, she said, if you let anything happen to him, you'll never wag that tail again. To the dog! Nick should be out here taking care of that dog! <laughs> uh, and also... The, besides the other ones we mentioned, the fire hydrant toy for the dog. Skippy Eric's ass's Christmas present. Terrible dog toy idea. Like, Tommy would be peeing all over that thing. You get him That's a fake true. fire hydrant and put it inside? Why don't you get a fake fire hydrant and put it outside, solve some oh, that's problems? That's a great idea. Mm. I think we just flipped that negative reheatable into a positive. Wow, true. And then you have to take it around the neighborhood, like just leave it so other dogs pee on it. And then put it in your backyard. <laughs> oh, that's you will have true. to pee on it. Yeah, leave and it all front for a couple days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All good. Wow, good idea, guys. Hey, that's what that we're doing. That gives me something for. to work on this week. Workshop. Or a mailbox in our neighborhood, because, you know, we got issues <laughs> with people not wanting dogs to pee on their mailboxes. What do they lick the? Are you a mailbox licker? <laughs> now I have to go out and clean it. Well, if you're cleaning, I mean, if your, you're mailbox, cleaning your mailbox, you need to find more problems in your life. Yeah, yeah. And you shouldn't be living in Hayfield Farms. That's some cross point shit. Like, yeah. Let's take that out there. Or Herndon. You know, even yeah. farther away. Go out with your people. Karen. Mine. Um, this is just a negative reheatable. It just barely squeaks in, but I thought that I needed to mention it because it does play into this movie. Prohibition from 1920 to December 1933. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, that's why there's like, so okay, much drinking in this movie. Although, uh, something tells me that these people were, were never one of the Prohibition people because if you're no, in a certain no, cast, They were at a speakeasy. Yeah, yeah. It didn't matter they didn't even you. have to make bathtub gin. I mean, they were, yeah. But I do think that that is something that people kind of gloss over, that from 1920 to 19, December 1933. A long time. It was illegal to just, to just this is illegal. Ha-ha, breaking the law. Ooh. That's a long time. So then... Yeah, if, if, if legalize it. And so then in this movie that everybody's just... But I like how everybody's responsibly drunk. Like, people aren't doing... I didn't uh, see anybody throwing up. Yeah, nobody's, like, doing the throw up. Everybody's just keeping a nice, chill buzz going the entire day. Yeah, my kind of people. 
And you look at, because I got the shout out to Jess and Andy for giving me the Nick and Nora glasses. And they're those small glasses. And that's, if you're doing it all day, that's the size you want. It is. Yeah. 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 You don't want one of these big yetis <laughs> and filling it up several times a day. 32 ounce. But hey, everybody has to get through however they have yeah, to. Yeah, but then you wouldn't have needed to fill it up because it would have been kept cold. Yeah. True that. Um, I second the balloons on the Christmas tree until until you see Nick's gift. Mm-hmm. His Christmas gift was the air gun. And then I was like, did Nora know this? And then this is why they're Nick and Nora, because that's great. I'm pretty sure because at the party, people were using their cigarettes to pop the balloons on the tree and she inflated more and put them on there. So Christmas morning, he had some to shoot at. Well, sure. that's really fun. Mm-hmm. For them. We've been known to have nerf fights at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Snowball fights inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I like when the police, <laughs> this is a battery eatable, the, the end when they find the body and then the police guys just like fits the story together of what he wants to have happened. And then he's like, the case is solved. Right. And there wasn't any actual, he's just like, well, obviously you look at the clothes. It's this guy. He's the guy that did it. Um, the case is closed. Meanwhile, I'm watching it, you know, got my true crime brain on. I'm going, how in the world did whoever did this, was able to decompose the body so that it's down to just bones, and yet the clothes are still salvageable, and you can look and see how yeah. big of a size they were. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Olivia Benson would not have bought that. Mm-mm. Nobody would have bought that. Nick didn't even buy it. So I just thought it was hilarious that the police chief was like, case is closed. What, what, what more do you want from me? This is a done deal. Moving on. Like, uh I wish that was as bad of a reheatable as it really should be. So now we are to our positive reheatables. And I have a few. Um, Colleen Gin Ammunition. Oh, I miss that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready for some ammunition? Smoke Mm. rings. He was good at it. My father used to be able to blow smoke rings like that. Um, when we saw the map, was the map, was that showing how far, what was the map for? Oh, the map was for the drag net, I think. Yeah. And then the net that, yeah, I love that visual, the net that went over it, that spread over the United States. Um, a murder dinner party. Yeah. Fun. How much fun is that? Real life. Who done it? We do have a murder to solve when we are next together because we never solved it. Oh, we never yeah. Yes, we do. Wow, that's been a, a long like, time in the waiting. <laughs> 14 months. Do we know where it is? You are in charge of that. I know. Wow. That's really scary right now. Um, to be a gentleman, to have married into enough money that you never have to work again. I know. And... <laughs> Nick and Nora, just their relationship. I love them. I love them. I do too. My positives. Um, 
that's I wrote that's how I want to go on vacation when what's his name? That guy. What's his name? Nick? Why why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah. When he was leaving and the guy was like, but I don't know how to, I'm not going to know how to reach you if something comes up. I was like, that's how I want to be. Like, go on vacation. Like, sorry, don't like, forget how to reach me. Right. Unreachable. You can't do that anymore. I mean, you could. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It kind of sucks. Like, because you're in a position where a lot of people have your phone number. Right. (laughs) Not me. Um, but also his when he as he was leaving with the elevator that is I'm sure that the regulations were not existent because it was just a wooden plank and mm-hmm. just police just <laughs> lifting him up. Yeah. But I just loved how he was just like nope and just <laughs> leaves. Sorry, as he's yeah. Um, I liked when they were at the bar and he was teaching them how to shake how to mix the drinks. And he was like, you shake the drinks to the beat of the music. Like a waltz, you shake a drink like this. And that was fun. I have a tasty nugget about that. Oh. And I have the quote for that. Oh. So um, the director, who previously stated by Aaron. Woodbridge Strong II, a.k.a. Woody. Woody. He, uh, he told William Powell, go over there and, you know, just just get ready for the scene. So just ad lib what you're doing. That was, and he, William Powell didn't know that the film was running and that was all ad lib. Oh, so he was like really trying to tell him how to make drinks. Mm-hmm. So he was like a Manhattan shake to a Foxtrot, a mm-hmm. Bronx, a two-step time, a dry martini. You always shake to a waltz. Always shake. Oh, to a waltz. Okay. Interesting. I'd be like, how do I, I don't know any of those dances. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you just do Spotify, Foxtrot. True. <laughs> <laughs> now, anytime you see bartenders doing that, it's like too Oh, and then they have to pause it. The beat is gonna drop. <laughs> <laughs> there is a funny internet trend going around right now where it's people making videos when they're pretending to be bar, like they're pretending to be bartenders. Oh, wow. And they'll be like, oh, this is a bartender when he's, like, in a good mood and how they're, like, dancing. And then it's, like, bartenders always be doing this for no reason when they, like, are pouring a glass of water and they hold, like, the water all the way, like, above them for no reason. <laughs> um. Okay, so one of the description, I really loved this. You said you like Nick and Nora. I as well do because the description on Wikipedia of Nick and Nora is that they are a leisure class couple who enjoy copious drinking and flirtatious banter. And I mean, yeah. goals. Come on. It that is. is me and Adam every time we go to Vegas. Yeah. yeah. It's the um, of leisure and the banter. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be my MVP, so I'm not going to say it. But I just wrote cocktails and how they were every party. They're like, no, nah, I'm good. They were like, nope, have a cocktail. Nope, That's here's right. your cocktail. Sorry, got to take your cocktail. That's right. And they were going around. It was Nick and Nora were going around the party, giving out the cocktails yeah. themselves. It wasn't somebody right. doing it for them. And they really had their shit together, unlike in Father of the Bride, where oh, he was right. taking, uh, just so overwhelmed. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, he's never been a gentleman. Yeah, they, really, they, knew, they knew as a 
leisure class couple, you do have to know how to entertain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you but call leisurely, up, not stiffly. You exactly. call up the uh, the uh, front desk and you go, yeah, we're hungry again. Send us some sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love the idea of having different types of glassware for all of your cocktails. It's something that I would love to get into, but don't have the space. Yeah. <sighs> we only have enough space for two of every type of glass. That's what I know, because I was just putting four of uh, the glasses that match your decanter away today going... What am I going to do with these four? And you know, in our old apartment, we had this whole built, this is built in um, with glass cupboard. It was like a, yeah. That would have been perfect for yeah. glassware. Mm-hmm. Well, like that. I mean, the other day, I finally bought a 20 piece silverware set for the first time. Wow. And I realized that we, I mean, you know, we've had shitty ones from yep. like Target or whatever but like it's just one of those things you know we didn't register for our wedding for that kind of shit but i went to go we had chili that we were bringing to lunch and we only own two spoons yeah and one of them had been used to mix the dog's food in the morning yeah (laughs) so then i had to clean the spoon and I was like, we need some night. And yeah. oh my God, if you're in the if you are in the market for new flatware, head to Crate and Barrel. They have got oh. all kinds of choices. Outstanding. I love Crate yeah. and Barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, that was my and that ends my positives. We'll end it on <laughs> flatware. Outstanding. Mine. All right. The opening shot where it's the shadow and it's whining it and he's, he's I thought it was gonna be a horror movie. Exactly. I did too. And he's moving in. I'm like, James, James Wong, how you've done it again. Um <laughs> this was this made me laugh the hardest. Well, can I just elaborate on that? Because yes. all I kept thinking of, remember the Slender Man? Yeah, I know. I've heard of the Slender Man. I didn't see any of the Slender Man documentaries. No, because Okay, well, the Slender Man was the whole thing where they, these two girls, like, these teenage girls, like, it was, a, the Slender Man was, like, an internet phenomenon, kind of, mm-hmm. and then these two girls were saying that they saw that the Slender Man told them to murder their friend, and there was a murder from it. Mm-hmm. Um, or there was a stabbing. I'm not sure. She got stabbed 19 times. Yeah, she they killed the friend okay. and stabbed her. Yeah. And we're like, oh, Slender Man made a date line. Right. And it was in 2014, yeah. Mm-hmm. Two 12-year-old girls lured their best friend into the woods and stabbed wow. her 19 times in an attempt to become proxies of the fictional character, the Slender Man. Yes. And that's all I kept thinking of when you said the Thin Man. And then... <laughs> This opening scene, I was like, what is going on? Well, I don't know what I'm in for. Yeah. So, yeah. And then it was nothing like that. And then also the shot where he is walking, where Wynett's walking down the street, and he's lit from behind, so he has that long, thin shadow. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, oh, we're not worthy of you, James. So then the, there's this scene, and it was when, so Wynett... You know, it's the MacGuffin. He goes in. Some of his bonds are missing. And it's like, oh, your secretary took him. So he has to go to his secretary, which, of course, he's seeing on the side. 
And he goes asking her about the bonds, and she goes, Bonds? Bonds? What bonds? What? And then he's <laughs> like, Look, I know that you've been skimming from me for a whole bunch of time, and I've looked far, you know, like you think I'm dumb, but I know what you've been doing, and it's fine, but you took what was like a lot of money, and it's, it was a lot of money now. So, yeah, it was what he was saving for his daughter. Like, yeah. don't. Mess with what goes to my ex-wife, but not what goes to my own kid. It was like, you took, like, this, this was, like, a lot of money. It was a bridge too far. And so she's just like, oh, well, if I, if I did. And then she starts doing this whole, like, thing where she's, like, walking back and forth. And by the end of it, she's just, certainly I took those bonds. the scene of like bonds what bonds oh you think i stole them and by then she's like suddenly i did and, and i deserved dis- everyone yeah and i was just like oh man she just did a 180 so fast it just- i can't remember what the amount of money was i it was I a five because I, I remember in the end there was a roll a five thousand dollar reward for the killer on these posters but and that five thousand dollars then equaled $99,000 today. Wow. I thought that it was like maybe 50 grand because I remember. I I, oh my God. Grand. Because yeah. I remember thinking like, that's not an, like, that's a lot of money to me now. Yeah, I'm sorry, right. but 50 grand is a lot of money yeah. to me. And oh this is 1934 of just being like, what? Of that course. would be $996,470.15. Yeah, we're talking a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> you think I wouldn't yeah. know us a million dollars? What bonds? Certainly I took them. I'm like, oh man. And then also she does the actress. I don't know if I wrote down who she was, but um, because this is on HBO Max, there it's part of their TCM film festival. So they had like feature X also. And on one of them they had Julianne Moore talking about Myrna Loy and how um, like her line readings were very natural, the way that normal people talk. And it, it made me laugh because the woman that's the actress in this, the way that she's giving her lines now is so very outdated, but that's the way that acting was then. And mm-hmm, at one point, mm-hmm. she even takes a, a, a pause to inhale. And that that made me laugh so hard because I was like, that, what a weird line reading it is. And it's just hard to just when she's doing the scene and it's the bonds, what bonds? And she's doing her whole talk. She's doing a spiel and she's just saying it. And then she <laughs> just takes a breath and you're like, oh man, one take Woody. Yeah, he wasn't going to retake that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, We already said the shaking to certain tempos. The dog trick when um when Nora is first introduced and she's coming in and Asta is pulling her and she goes in and she does her great trip. Oh yeah. And then everybody, the the people are like, Oh, you have the dog has to leave the bar, the dog has to leave the bar. And Nick's just like, Well, this is my dog, and that's my wife. And she's and she makes a funny quip about I thought I would get top billing. And then they're like, You have to the dog has to leave. And he's like, No, it's a, he's a well-trained dog. And puts the dog down and is like, sit. And he just stands. And he's like, yeah. Stand. And he sits. He's The look that William Powell gives of like, he's like, look, he's so well trained. 
was like, man, William Powell is so charming. He was. <laughs> Agreed. Um, when Nora sits down and asked, oh, and then also with Asta, how it, I like the running gag of it was the shot of Asta at the door mm-hmm. and looks in and sees what they're doing and then just turns, turns around, around and leaves. <laughs> Oh, it just reminded me of Mac. I'm like, that's such a Mac move. Yeah, right Mac yeah. would go, not dealing with that shit. No, I'm going to wait. No. I'm out. Um, when Nora's sitting down, and so Nick's already been at the bar, and Nora's like, yeah, bring me a drink. And then she's like, wait, how many have you had? And he's like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that was so perfect. <laughs> that, that so reminded me of you two. But, well, yeah. actually, all three of us. But like sitting down, like, well, wait, how many have you how had? How many have you had? Five? Bartender, bring me four more. Line them up right up. here. <laughs> Play a little bit of game. Catch up. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. So we are to quotables. Oh, excuse me. Oh, I'm quite sorry. Yeah. When, okay, remember, paw, the bottle. One of those bottles. Wasn't that the, one the, of the, 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 tri- the, the The pinch bottle with the three sides. Yeah. Yeah, I still can't figure out what that is. We had looked it up in another episode, but whenever I see that bottle, I'm like, oh, Grandpa. Yeah, <laughs> Drambuie. I felt like it was Drambuie, but then when I looked it up, it wasn't. But yeah, that three-sided pinch bottle, I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, New York for Christmas. <gasps> yeah. Because they're from San Francisco, and they're like, where are we? Sorry, we you. New York for Christmas. And I'm like, yeah, New York for Christmas is great. Um, and then this is like when I put it in the good reheatables because you have to take it in the in the way in which it is met. Much like last week when we pointed out when you know, she slapped him and snapped out of it, moonstruck. When the guy comes in with the gun and <laughs> William Nick goes. He goes to get the pillow and knocks out his wife. Yes. Takes the pillow. Yes. Mm-hmm. The guy. It was just, and she's like pissed. Like, it is true. Yes, he punched his wife, but just the manner in which it's taken, it's like they have a, a loving relationship. Yeah. And he did it to save her life. <laughs> which, uh, yeah, it's kind of like that is kind of problematic, but it's still, it works because it, it's funny. She's alive. Did <laughs> you know she was going to get involved in the whole situation? I I feel more that Nora would have. Um, I'm on team Nora in that she would know how to handle her shit and not. But maybe, you know, Nick obviously knows Nora better than I do. So, hey. All righty. So now, Aaron, are we to quote about? Yes, you may proceed. Did you hear a knock? Yes, that's me. Did you hear a knock on the door? Yeah, but that doesn't mean I have to answer. <laughs> now, there's a girl with hair on her chest. My father used to say that all the time. Eat this, it'll put hair on your chest. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, I don't want hair on my chest. <laughs> all the time. Oh, so you're who I have to blame for my nipple situation. <laughs> I don't think so. Every um, time I'm lucky, I could be like, thanks, Ma, for that drink. Do you want a drink? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. 
It's not true. He didn't come anywhere near my tabloids. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that one. Don't make a move or that dog will tear you to shreds. Yeah, I like Asta's self-preservation. Asta was like, I'm not, I'm not a hero. No, I'm going under the chair over here. Okay, those were my quotables. Well, this one I wrote down because this is, um, reminded me of if someone on this podcast had a dog. He's dragged me into every gin mill on the block. <laughs> it would be all the dog's us? fault. All the dog's fault. I don't know who said this, but I wrote it down. Wacky brunettes with wicked jaws. Oh, yes. he said that. Nick Nick said that. Yes. It, it was in my original notes, but I don't I did it didn't make the cut. Um remember the fun we had when we were both flat broke? Mm, yeah. Uh, there are yeah, there are some. Yeah. yeah. Um oh. Only, I don't know if I wrote this sound exactly right, but only one in four of children will be a murderer. So the trick is to only have three. Yes. The, the yes, brother that was said the that. Brother. Yeah. yeah. And then he did the math in his head and he was like, oh no, that's not right. What if the first one was the murderer? <laughs> the first one could be the murderer. Yeah. And then I think Nick said this to Nora. I'll say, woman, I gave you three murders and you still aren't satisfied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. He said that. I have the taxi cab driver when the guy was giving him the the money and oh, he's yeah. like, I I tell you to um be slow for a good tip and he was like, That's okay, sweetheart. I got it anyway. I already <laughs> took the tip out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um oh when Nora says, What's that man doing in my drawers? Mm-hmm. And then that in the tabloid line were considered um, like uh, the censors were upset about yeah. it, yeah, because it was like, pre-code, right? Thirty-four. I think it was around when the code was going into it, effect. It, it was, yeah, it was code, but so we're starting to feel it. Yeah, we're not all the way there yet. Those two lines were cut out of certain places where it was filmed. Where okay. it was, where it was shown, and there were certain places in the South where they didn't, they objected to how much drinking was happening. Yes, and I was like, "Excuse Boring. me, in the, the South? South? <laughs> That's how we learned to drink in uh, the South. Unbelievable." Um, will you serve the nuts? And then she catches herself and she's like, "I mean, will you serve the guests the nuts?" <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, we already said the important thing is rhythm. Okay, LVPs. I just wrote one down just now. Oh, what'd you say? Because I didn't have one. Murder. <laughs> oh, there is that. Murder. I guess. Could be an MVP though, but <laughs> yeah. Depending on how you're looking at it. <laughs> this picture Keith Morrison just doing a voiceover and that is what did her in one Uh, you're right no you're right I'm just kidding you're right it's an LVP 
Yeah, murder. Yeah, oh, of course. That's yours? No, that was mine. mine. Okay. Mine is the person working the desk at the apartment complex. Yeah! But she was like, what's her name? What was her name? The girl who got murdered? She was like, so-and-so's apartment, please. And she was like, apartment 4A. Like, you can just walk in into New York City and be like, oh, I'm looking for Julia's apartment. Right. Mm -hmm. Apartment 4A. Yeah. I think that you had to... I'm going to maybe say that this was a bit of a cast involved. Because maybe if some other people of another cast were walking in, like say I walk in and I'm like, yeah, right. Julia, foray. Am I getting? Am I getting the foray or am I getting one one moment miss? Yes. Is she expecting? Not either way. I don't want anybody to be letting people into my apartment like that. Yeah, agreed. Oh, that's that's a good one. Mine, I struggled as well for one. I went with Arthur Neumheim. Because he, well, you know, the whole murder plot in this movie is secondary anyway. It's just an excuse to hang out with Nick and Nora. Right. um, Because I was very confused about what was going on. But this guy, he was like the the stool pigeon, the stooly guy. Yeah. And he lost his girlfriend and then he gets taken out, assassinated basically on the step. So I was like, yeah, I guess he's the loser of this. He's the least valuable player in all yeah. this. It didn't really turn out good for him. True. So MVPs. Well, my runner-up was Skippy. Oh, Skippy. <gasps> good. He was my Master. number one. That's your MVP of Skippy? He was my MVP. Oh, okay. I have a um, He's just the perfect size to me. Yeah. Yeah, a little small for my liking, but I thought he did a great job in the role. Mm-hmm. Um, my MVP, though, is being a detective. Yeah. yeah. Being a, No, being a gentleman detective. Right, because yeah. it doesn't, if you don't solve it, it's nothing off your nose. I mean, because, and then also you're just the last scene where he's got everybody at the table with him ah. and, and he's just going through and then his wife was like, are you making this up? And he's like, it's the only way this fits together. <laughs> like he's just flying by the seat of his pants and, and that you're, you're sitting with a murderer and then he just punches the murderer and he's like, then points to the, and say, like, hey, what do you want? Like all decorated in a bow and stuff? Look what I give you. And yeah, being a gentleman detective. Yeah. So, so my, um, my honorable mention. Oh, oh, your honorable mention. Yeah. What's your honorable mention? Writing the one liners. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The writing was very good. That was really good. My MVP is Nick and Nora. Just yeah. that's yeah. hashtag hashtag goals. Mm-hmm. But so, also like a big emphasis on Nora being having yeah, she just has the money. And yeah. yeah. So she gives zero fucks about anything because she's got it covered. But then it, I don't it goes into their relationship. So she's, you know, social socialite. She's got the money. And then Nick, 
He's just this affable fellow. He's friends mm-hmm. with all. He's friends with people he sent to jail. They come out of jail and they still like him because he's just that great of a dude. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the de- detective. Okay, so we are two recasting. Yes, I did two casts. I did two casts as well, but I didn't do an extensive cast. I just did Nick and Nora and Dorothy for one, and I didn't do Dorothy for the second one. Yeah, I just did Nick and Nora. Okay. I did zero. Okay. Roger that. (laughs) Well, my first one, I'm going to take after watching just uh, the beginning of Saturday Night Live last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keegan Michael Key, I think, could play Nick. Yeah, he could be Nick. That's that's a good Nick. And his his Nora then would be Issa Rae. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, I like that. Would you like me to do my other one now? Well, I'll do one of mine. So okay. then for Nick, because I realized that I needed to get caught up on Showtime's Black Monday. So I watched that yesterday. And I was like, oh, man, Don Cheadle I, could be yeah. his, like he like has that. Because William Powell, the thing with him is that you don't look at him and think, oh, he's drop dead gorgeous. It's just something about he's got that twinkle in his eye mm-hmm. where it just makes him more attractive. But I don't feel like I would be like oh I'm, I'm definitely not saying he's ugly but I'm also not blown away by his attractiveness right right the, you're not but, looking at Brad Pitt right here yeah but just has his personality and how he's always like in on the joke and more importantly he's always making himself laugh yes it's a thing that I think is hilarious so I, I was like Don Cheadle is my Nick and then I was trying to think because the e- it would be easy to go with Regina Hall because Regina Hall, Come Regina on. King, it could have been anything. But I was like, mm, I wanted to go a little bit deeper into Nora because Nora's from, so she's got to be, can play rich and socialite. I'm Brooklyn in the house. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I went with Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah. Okay. So those are those are my two. Okay, so so this cast I had Nick and this person they have to have perfect comic timing. Mm-hmm. So this person is totally gorge, but he also has a really good comedic timing. George Clooney could totally be Nick. He's my second Nick because when I was watching, thinking like who would be William Powell now, I'm like mm-hmm. it's George Clooney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I believe my Nora is gonna be a a. a if, uh, if you guess my Nora, I'll I'll be like hats off, ma. Okay, so my Nora has perfect comic timing. Mm-hmm. She's gonna be younger than Nick. Oh my not, gosh! She's not gonna be young, young, young old. No, my get out of my head. Deborah Messing. Oh, close. Oh, that would be a good one. That is a good one. That would be a really good one. It's yeah. actually a closer match than I I actually ended up going younger. Okay. With my Nora. Because I didn't think of Deborah Messing, who would be a 
great one. Because also when in that uh, HBO Max, Myrna Loy, she was a redhead in real life. Yeah, I felt like they kind of almost resembled each other a touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went with my Nora, Kristen Bell. I thought mm-hmm. of Kristen Bell with Don Cheadle. Mm-hmm. And that, I did, yeah. Like, my cast, you could... Like, you could have the George Cooney with Nipita Nwanko. Right, right, right. And then I did do a Dorothy with them, and it's Chloe Fineman from Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love her. (laughs) She would be really good as the whiny young person. Yeah, she, uh, Maureen O'Sullivan was very whiny in this. She's very whiny. Yeah. So I feel, uh, yeah, because I was going, who could be our William Powell today? And although he's more gorgeous than William Powell was, he can still down, uh, if you ever saw Oh Brother, Where Out Thou? I mean, he can definitely downplay his gorgeousness to just be comic. Yeah, and just gold. charming. Mm-hmm. Tasty Nuggets. We kind of covered all of mine. The only other thing I had for is that the people who wrote Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist named their characters after them. Mm. Yes. Yeah. But we covered all my other ones already. Erin? I have that the script is now considered to show a modern relationship in a realistic manner for the first time. Yes. And it is true. Not total, she didn't have to be subservient. I mean, she had the fucking money mm-hmm. that made him be able to be a gentleman. Yeah. And a lot of times in movies, I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. It's like marriage isn't, it's always the end game. Or it's like, oh, the husband is a jerk and the wife is a nag. Like, you, you don't really ever see that it's they're already together. It's usually a will they or won't they situation. Like right. Like, they get together. You don't really see, like, oh, no, they're a married couple and they're having fun. Mm-hmm. I feel like Poppy and I are Nick and Nora with um, a few expletives. I mean, because yeah. we I, do I, the I, banter, but we always... Nora. We always have expletives at the oh, end. And especially that scene where she brings the phone in and the guy's talking on the phone and they pretend like they're viol- being violent with each other. I mean, that's oh, yeah. our house. Just <laughs> showing love through pretending to beat people up. Like, that's yeah. what we do. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, okay. At a Hollywood party, old Van Dyke, the director... He put because remember Myrna Loy was considered exotic by Hollywood standards. Yeah, yeah. So they were at a Hollywood party, and he pushed Myrna Loy into a pool because he wanted to test her reaction. Because remember, ah. he's, he's one take Woody, so he Bruce. likes to get natural rela- reactions. So he just pushed her into a pool. They saw her reaction, and was like, "You got the role, kid." But just. Wow. I mean, that was 1934, so just Hollywood be in Hollywood. Yeah. (laughs) Which also, like, you could never do, you can't do that any, pushing people into pools, you can't do nowadays with cell phones. Yeah, and and I think, I think you could do it until, when did Me Too happen? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. 
now it's like, I don't know if I can push this actress into a pool to gauge how she's going to react. How can yeah. I have my movie? Damn you, Charlize Theron. You come out looking even more gorgeous than you went in. Um, we already mentioned how the thin man is not Nick Charles. It's Wynette. He's the thin man with red ha- with white hair. Um, you already did the the six thin man movie titles, which are hilarious. My favorite yeah. is Song of the Thin Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like oh. after after the Thin Man. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. This is gonna come next, guys. Well, how did the Thin Man go home? He was murdered, but yet there's a the thin man ghost. Well, yeah, then they just gave in. Yeah, they just gave up. They were like, all right, well, everyone thinks it's him anyway, so. Um, Hammett based Nick and Nora on his rocky on-again, off-again relationship with playwright Lillian Hellman. She wrote The Little Foxes, which was a movie with Betty Davis. Yes. And I I always thought that there was... I mean, there was con- controversy about her. I thought about that Laura or Lillian, Lillian Hellman. Yeah, there was a lot of controversy about her. <laughs> yeah, as far as being a communist, but I thought there was controversy about her possibly being a lesbian. But I didn't see any of that in the research I did. Well, there was controversy about like everything that she said had happened because I guess she. She did, it's kind of like biographies or something. Like she was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. And she was just like uh, pointed out to be a fraud. Mm-hmm. So yes. there was, yes. she was just very controversial. Yeah, kind of she was all over the place. I forget who said the quote. Somebody said every word in what she wrote was a lie, including and and the. And I was like, yes. Shade. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. And his life was, yeah, because Dashiell Hammett, Hammett went through all these uh, blacklist and communism yeah. kind of stuff. And yeah, then he he was just really into the love, the sweet, sweet alcohol. Mm-hmm. He, he just is like the, when you think of the stereotypical writers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, this is the best case scenario. <laughs> like their relationship didn't. The Nick and Nora right. were gold for even them. Right, right. Um. So, uh, Van Dyke told Albert and Francis, the screenwriters, to concentrate on providing witty exchanges with Nick and Nora. That was their job. They're like, wait, we have the like the the, did a good job. the MacGuffin. Mm. Like, just add add the witty banter. Uh, MGM told Powell told um, MGM thought that Powell was too old, and mm-hmm. we, we already mentioned how Lloyd was in her exotic role. So they were just kind of like, what are you, what are we doing? Because he was forty two and she was twenty nine. 29 for is still kind of old because she was in Hollywood for like she was in the silent pictures right she was around for I mean 29 a, is is knocking on 30 so you know that was like she was about to be put out to pasture she, yep she was she was about to be out there to have the youngins um and then like you said with the Van Dyke how that was just a test but then they really got it because, you know, one take Woody. He'll, mm-hmm. he'll trick a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. He don't care. He 
He's a tricky motherfucker. Uh, Skippy once bit Myrna Loy while they were filming. Did she? she probably, did, what did she do? Did Skippy she, draw blood? She pretended to slap him and then picked him up by the belly. <laughs> It's, it's what I've I've heard. That is my favorite quote of Gone with the Bushes ever. Oh, well so done, Erin. I don't I don't know what she did. Wow, that was outstanding. Oh, <laughs> uh, in the dinner scene, that was one of the few scenes where it took retakes because because William Powell was like. This is all my dialogue, and I don't even understand the plot of this movie. So Thank what? you. Okay. Yeah, he was freaking out over it, and Same. somehow somebody decided that they were be uh, eating oysters. So <laughs> it was oysters that had to be brought out, and those are hot lights. I don't think that people really realize how hot those lights and how hot the set would get having the lights on to light for film. So, so the oysters would start to smell. Yeah, they started to smell and stink. <gasps> and people were just like, yeah, people were off oysters for a while. Hot lights, oysters over and over again. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, Roger Ebert said of Powell, quote, um, William Powell is to dialogue as Fred Astaire is to dance. His delivery is so droll and insinuating, so knowing and innocent at the same time. And it hardly matters what he's saying. Agreed. Yeah. Which is, and George Clooney can do that too. He can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was number 32 on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Laughs. List wow. of films. Mm-hmm. And there was a TV was it show. Father of the Bride on that list? Yes. I think. <laughs> We're going to say yes. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was too. We're going with yes. And if it wasn't, you can add it on as 101. That's right. Yeah. And if it were after 1987, Moonstruck would be on there too. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been on Moonstruck, might have been on there. I mean, the, at this point, AFI has so many lists going. Who can keep track? Yeah. Am I right? There, is some yeah. <laughs> there was a TV show that mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. say was rather forgettable, but it was from 1957 and 1959, starring Peter Lawford and Phyllis Kirk. And then Heart to Heart was kind of a ripoff of Nick and Nora. Oh, okay. You know, we always have to bring it back to old our Robert Wagner and Stephanie Powers. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, something about wait, what did you just say before that? Heart to heart. Before, before that, Peter Lawford, Phyllis. AFI. Okay, so Peter Law. Yes, because <laughs> I, I instantly saw a murder board go up over your eyes. I'm like. It's not- <laughs> different strings (laughs) but because poppy asked me to look into it because he remembers the tv series i do not but there were like 72 episodes filmed it was a half hour series 72 episodes for two seasons that's about right i mean they used 70 now not now i mean back in the day but even they went from september until through may yeah, that that was how a series ran, and then you got reruns. 
And then, but think about it, because in the 90s, a full season of television was 26 episodes. Right. And that was just, you know, what, 30 years ago? And Mm -hmm. so it used to be even more. Now it's like, you guys, we struggled and we are giving you 10 10 episodes and be happy with it. Move on. Yeah, they were half hour. Um, Okay, Peter Lawford uh, at one point married a Kennedy sister, one of the one of the Robert and John F. Kennedy sisters. And he was in the Rat Pack. Yeah. Mm. Rat Pack, Kennedy ties. Yeah. Okay. William Powell said of Myrna Loy, when we did a scene together, we forgot about technique, camera angles, and microphone. We weren't acting, just two people in perfect harmony. Mm. And that's how it came across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people thought that they were married in real life because they, because I mean, they did what, six Thin Man movies. And then they did eight other movies just together. Yeah, they did they a total of 14. 14 movies they did together. Six Thin Man, which, as Christine has pointed out, only had to do with the guy who died in this one. But they had to keep calling him Thin Man so everybody knew. Yeah, because they were like, oh, Powell, Myrna Loy. And then I had heard that Myrna Loy, she wasn't the typical... Uh, self-absorbed Hollywood actress. Exactly. That she See did, that? Yeah, that she would do a, a lot of, of charitable work and was really... I don't think she even acted during World War II because she was doing other civic duties and stuff. And um, so that really came across because when they were doing a scene, you know, she was really listening and that people really... Everybody had really great things to say about right. Lloyd, which isn't right. something that's very typical. She wasn't the diva who everybody had to please. She was in there to be part of the the ensemble. And I wonder if that part of that had to do with how she was in movies. You know, she was just making a, a, a paycheck and supporting herself and doing exotic characters and stuff. Um, and, you know, just supporting herself, and then by the when this comes out, this is what really put her on the map. And she's older. I mean, mm-hmm. she's pushing mm-hmm. thirty, which in Hollywood makes her a geriatric Over millennial. The Over the hill. The the air gun wasn't even part of the script, but there must have been an air gun on set for some reason. And during a lull in the filming, he picked it up and he starts shooting at the ornaments on the tree. And then they incorporated that into, which was just, a, it just reminded me of our Christmases, you know? Yeah. Because what a great, I mean, that's basically the gift I gave my brother for this Christmas. I know. <laughs> it was shot in 12 days. Oh my God! Wow, one take, Woody, for one point four mil. Get and, all your work in for in those twelve days for the year. Yeah, that equals eighteen mil in twenty twenty. Um, okay, so in nineteen eleven, the year your grandmother and grandfather were born, Aaron, there was the Sullivan Act, 
and it was a gun control act. So what? remember when uh, the police was saying something about, is that a registered firearm? Mm-hmm. That was in reference to that. But then she says something about, oh, no, I'm married to him. Because in 1910, there was the Man Act that prohibited transport of women across state lines for sex. Oh, yeah. Didn't that come about because of the boxer? Um, oh, what was his name? He was a black boxer. And... And he had a white girlfriend, and that's how they were going to trip him up. It was because when he brought his girlfriend across state lines, it was going to be, it was a federal crime. Oh, I forget who it was. Jack Johnson, I think, oh, was okay. the boxer. Okay. I think that that had to do with him, and like that they were going to trip him up because he was going to be the, like, the heavyweight champion. Of the world. And then, yeah, and I think that What's-His-Face ended up pardoning him. You know, hey, a broken clock is right twice. Am I right? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so you're right. The police officer brings up something about, is that a registered firearm? And she says, oh, no, we're married, so I can go across state lines. And that was bringing together the Sullivan and the Mann Act. Mm. Um, the third unused atomic bomb in Ooh. World War II was named the Thin Man. Oh. Oh. Ouch. And I bet, wait, I bet Rita Hayworth wishes that it had been the Thin Man. <laughs> Wasn't it Rita Hayworth? That... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is the end of my tasty nuggets for what do we what do we watch? The Thin Man. <laughs> the Thin Man. So it was this, just so much fun. I just really enjoyed it. Oh, really? It was fun, yeah. A I murder mystery HBO party. Max and watch it. Just fun stuff. Oh, fun stuff. Okay, so I thought, okay, this was the 30s. We had just done the 80s. So I was going to go in between and do something, but I made a left turn. Oh, okay. no, you went left. I went left. Okay. I went left because of what we talked about last week, maybe, or maybe Aaron and I talked about it sometime when we were FaceTiming uh, with Elon Musk doing Saturday Night Live, which, bravo. I felt like he did a great job being someone who self-defines as Asperger's, but we don't really use that term anymore in educational terms. It's on the autism spectrum. So I'm going to go with my autism spectrum movie that I've wanted to watch to see how I feel about it. Are we doing Rain Man? We're doing 1988 Rain Man. Oh. Wapner. Wapner. I I already did some research. Um, What year was it, Ma? 1988. So it's a year after Moonstruck, after Christine was born. She was one. I was one year old for Rain Man. Probably already walking, talking, and having her first martini. <laughs> you nailed it. 
<laughs> Rita just shook one up to the correct tempo and gave it to them. No, I think Tim did. Yeah. <laughs> but um And it yeah. was just a Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> because um I was when I watched Elon Musk on Saturday Night Live, I know I've talked before about people portraying characters who might um, be cognitively different or um, emotionally different. And it just really was like watching some of my first and second graders when they were adults. So I want to see how Dustin does. There are positives and negative reviews about his performance. So we are doing 1988's Rain Man next week. This seems like something I'll have to watch early in the week. Because it I can, think there's probably a lot of information on it. And a lot of rabbit holes you can go down. May I say, part of it is filmed in Cincinnati, Ohio. Tom Cruise was in Cincinnati, Ohio? They were at the Longview Sanitarium, which... Oh. Okay, when I was a little... How do we know that? <laughs> oh, great. This is going to be awkward. <laughs> okay, I'm Your ready. family, everyone except for me, has been in a san- the Longview Sanitarium. <laughs> Just no. Just so you know. <laughs> no, but... No. But I was a brownie. I never made it to Girl Scouts because, you know, I mean, seriously, camping outside and peeing outside, pooping outside, br- going brown in the woods. I don't think it was so. It's like a regular Sunday morning run to me. <laughs> <laughs> My brownie leader ended up in the Longview Sanitarium oh. after having me and her troop for one year. Oh, God. <laughs> so. Because you kept shaking a, a, you kept shaking a cup at her. Like, when when is this being full? Oh, this all makes sense in sixty years. (laughs) I'm doing a bit here, people. I quit the brownies, and so there's that. But yes, 1988. Wow, 1988. The Rain Man. How long is it? Wait, I wrote that. And 14 minutes. Okay. No, is it? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry because no, that's movie... okay. This is a you know I'm gonna. It only has eight out of ten on IMDb and 89 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, it's Be- one of those movies I know I've seen. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen it, but I couldn't tell you a lick of it. I can tell you a lot because we saw it in. Kansas in Leavenworth, Kansas. Poppy and I saw it. On yeah, a date I wasn't night. allowed to see it. I um, saw it later. Because the movie I was going to do was going to be an hour and 58 minutes. I was really proud of that. But then I got on the Rain Man track and I didn't even look at how long it was. Yeah, that, hey, that happens. That happens. Go by the seat of your pants. It's going to be worth it. It will be interesting. Tom Cruise, Dustin Hoffman. Listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Gone with the Bushes. What's the name of it? And the movie we just watched. The Thin Man. The Thin Man. Oh my gosh. And uh, so that was the 30s. Now we're going to the 80s. And (laughs) who knows where we'll go next week after week after? Exactly. 
Exactly. The sky's the limit. Well, there you go, listeners. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.